Well, it was years ago that I was getting into my 1990 Lincoln Town Car with 492,000 miles on it when I heard a voice in the distance calling me, Joel, Joel. And I look around and, and I'm trying to find, like, who, who is calling me right now? And I, and I can't see anybody. And so I start to get in my car and then I hear it again, Joel. Joel. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait a second. That is my sister, Laura, is calling me right now. Where, like, is she behind a tree? Where, is, I cannot find, like, is this a joke? What's going on here? So I'm like, forget this. I'm getting frustrated. I get in my car. I turn it on. And then I hear it again. Joel. And then I hear this. I'm in your pockets. <laughs> I reach into my pocket. Hello? You butt-dialed me again, Joel. Come on, how many butt-dialers are out there? Let me see those hands. That's right, my people. That's right, don't leave me hanging up here. And uh, man, we had a good laugh, and, and Laura's going, laugh. I was yelling at the top of my lungs to try to get your attention, and I'm laughing, and, and I'm saying, man, I, I could hear a voice. I was getting so frustrated because I could hear a voice, and I could not figure out where it was coming from. And, uh, and so we had a good laugh, but... But listen, does it ever feel like that is, that's kind of how it works when we're trying to hear the voice of God? Like there's a stirring going on, or there's a voice off in the distance, and we hear it, but we can't seem to figure out where it's coming from or what God is trying to say to us. And then what's crazy is that God is yelling at the top of his lungs to get our attention. We continue the How series today. And I want to talk about this subject. How do we hear the voice of God. We look in the scriptures and we see that throughout scriptures, we see different people hearing the voices, voice of God in different instances. We see back in Genesis, Moses comes along and he hears God in the burning bush. We see Elijah and he's in the wilderness and he learns to hear the still small voice of the spirit. We see Jeremiah discovers the word of God to be a burning fire shut up in his bones. We see in the New Testament, Paul and Barnabas come along and they're in a, in a worship service like this and they're fasting and they hear the call of God to go into the mission field. Now, these people are not extraordinary people. They don't have any kind of special abilities, but they make themselves available. They seek God and they get in the presence of God. 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, you can open up and read along with us. We're going to put it on the screen as well. And um, man, we're going to bull rush this scripture today. I'm going to fly through it. And uh, we're going to read about 10 verses. Here we go. Verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Verse 2. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went, and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, 
Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Our ears are extraordinary organs. And what's interesting is, is the, the, the ears and the hearing sense is different than our other senses. So our sense of smell and, and taste and vision, all our chemical reactions that function so those senses can work. But our hearing is a mechanical action that happens in our ears. And so what we have is an object, the matter in an object begins to vibrate, and that affects the air particles around it that then affect the air particles around it, and then they move through the atmosphere until they confront our body. Now, three basic things need to happen in our ears for us to hear something. First, they needed to direct the sound waves into the ear, inner ear canal. And then they need to sense the fluctuations in the air pressure. And then they have to translate those fluctuations into an electrical signal that the brain can understand. Did I lose you yet? Are you still with me? Okay, let me, let me break it down. Just three simple words. First thing is receiving. Second thing is sensing. The third thing is translating. And here's what's interesting. We're going to take this uh, little mechanical idea of us physically hearing, and we see the same kind of progression used with Samuel in 1 Samuel 3 and how he hears the voice of God. So he comes before, and, and the first thing that happens is he receives the call of God, right? And then the second thing, he senses what is happening. He goes to Eli, he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then the third thing, he translates, and he's figuring out, okay, how does this work in my life? We do the same thing. We just heard the word of God. We received the word of God, right? We read 1 Samuel 3. We received that. Now, we're sensing, we're trying to figure out, okay, how does the reality of my life intersect with the potential promises of God's word? And then the third thing, we translate it. Okay, now, how does this affect who I am? the way that I act, the way that I treat people. So we have a framework here. We have a, a wireframe, if you will, of how we hear the voice of God. And we're just going to kind of use this. And now we're going to dive into the details, into this scripture, and just pull out kind of some nuggets of truth as we learn to listen to the voice of God. The first thing is found in verse uh, 3. The lamp of God has not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel gets in the presence of God to hear something, to receive the sound waves of an object. You have to be in correct proximity to that object. To hear the voice of God, you've got to be in correct proximity to the presence of God. Samuel is camped out in the house of the Lord. He's in the right place. People come to me and they say, listen, I'm trying to get some guidance. I'm trying to hear God's voice on this thing, and I'm having a hard time. First thing I ask is, have you prayed about it much? The answer is usually the same. Well, yeah, you know, I prayed a little bit, but not as I know I need to, and I haven't really prayed that much. And, man, to hear the voice of the God, the, the, the place where you need to start is to get in God's presence. A spiritually lethal combination for me is three things. Scripture reading meditation, and prayer. Live in those three things. I start out my day by reading the scriptures. Then I begin to pray through the scriptures. 
And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these two things because we've, we've talked about them the, the past couple of weeks. So if you missed the uh, past couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back, podcast those things, and hear a little bit more. But I'm going to get to some of the other things that we haven't hit yet. So I start my day reading the scriptures, then I pray through the scriptures. Now, we have this microwave faith mentality, don't we? Where we want something cooked up in about a tenth of the time that it takes for that thing to actually be good. You can get a Ruth Chris steak before it's cooked. You can throw that baby in the microwave. You can cook it up, and it's going to be edible. But it is not a Ruth Chris steak. You know what I mean? Now, I'm going to get a little feedback on this one. Listen, that thing's come out. Why? Because you haven't taken the proper time, the proper care to cook that thing to, to, to understand how it should taste. Here's what we do with God. We put a time limit on God. We say, I'll give you this amount of time, and then I want to get what, what I want instead of what he desires to give me. If you're going to ask God to hear from him, man, go after God. Seek him with everything you got. If you're going to ask God to hear him, jump in with both feet. If you're going to ask God to hear him, man, you've got to go all in. Don't go half-ask, A-S-K. Fully ask. God, listen, we get into the presence of God. <laughs> we'll spend 10 and 15 minutes in, in prayer, and we're frustrated because I didn't get a clear sense of direction from the Holy Spirit. He didn't give me the word that I want. So I put a time limit on God. Jeremiah 29 says what? Seek him. Seek God with your whole heart and you will find him. Not seek him for this amount of time. Not seek him for this amount of days. Not seek God with this method. No, seek God with the entirety of your heart. If Ella comes to me and she demands something from me, she's not going to get it. I'll tell you that much. If Ella comes to me, she asks me for something and then throws a fit, she's not going to get that thing either. If Ella comes to me and I have made up my mind that I'm not going to give her something, and she asks me nicely, and then she leaves and comes back and gives me a hug and then a kiss, and then leaves and comes back and asks with good manners, there is a good chance that I'm going to change my mind within reason. And uh, I tell you what, you, you know, before you say God doesn't change his mind, read the book of Jonah, because the Ninevites are, are in sin, and God decrees, God makes his judgment, and it's a final judgment, and he decrees that. And then what happens? The Ninevites begin to repent, and they ask, give us a second chance. God, we're sorry. We need you. And what happens? The heart of a father is compassionate, and he changes his judgment. He changes his mind. Now listen, here's what's beautiful about the character of God. His judgment can change, but his love does not I love it. His love is never changing. So I read through the scriptures, and then I pray through the scriptures, and then I meditate on the scriptures. The psalmist exclaims in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. When's the last time you meditated on a scripture verse? You took time to just dig in and meditate on the word of God, and you say, man, I don't... I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not talking about transcendental meditation. I'm not talking about just an emptiness of yourself. No, we empty ourselves out, yes, to fill ourselves with the word, with the promises of God. We enter a place of detachment so that we can enter a place of attachment to the purposes of God. 
You say, I don't know how to meditate. Have you ever worried before? Because you've meditated. That's just called negative meditation. What we're talking about is taking the scriptures, taking the promises of God, and meditating on the promises of God. Because when you do that, you enter a new place of purpose. Do you know that you have a completely different footing in your life when you meditate on the scriptures and you believe those as promises before God? So the scriptures say that Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. Notice, he was not watching TV. He wasn't on his smartphone. He wasn't on his computer late at night. He wasn't out at the club. He wasn't at the bar. We have a friend who uh, was having sleep issues. And, man, it was going on night after night, kind of a long time where she just could not sleep at night. So she finally went to the doctor. And she told the doctor the whole situation. And then the doctor said, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to turn off your TV. And, and we're like, she's telling us the story. We're like, wait a second. So you can't sleep, but you didn't think that you needed to turn your TV off, that that would help you sleep at night. And, and we're going, man, we totally, like, how did you miss that point? And we're our worst enemy sometimes, aren't we? We put the exact distractions in our path that are stopping us from reaching the goal that we want to reach. Here's what uh, Richard Foster says this. He says, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness, in manyness, he will rest satisfied. What are the distractions, the sin, the things that you have allowed to clog up your spiritual ears from hearing the clear, the clear voice of God? My dad grew up in a... In a uh, a farming family and, and uh, is one of 10 people in this family. And so um, I love the story that they used to tell about one of my uncles. And um, they thought he was going deaf when he was growing up. And so his hearing kept getting worse and worse. So they took him to the doctor and they uh, did a bunch of audio tests and, and he was not doing well, couldn't hear well. And all of a sudden the, the doctor took out an instrument and he put it in his ear and he pulled it back out with a huge glob of earwax on it. And, and, and he starts talking, and, 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 he, and my uncle says, I can hear what you're saying. And it's like the most disgusting story that, that I know, I think, but, but, it's, but it's hilarious. It's, it's incredible because, listen, we put things in, in our spiritual ears that stop, that clog up us from hearing the voice of God. And here's what we do. We say, God, I can't hear you. Speak to me, God. Speak to me. I can't hear your voice. What's, why can't I hear God's voice? And it was, we are the exact object. We put ourselves in that place of distraction. And here's what happens, you guys. In all of God's availability, we override God's, uh, his, his accessibility with our lack of availability. And Jesus comes along and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? And then we walk up to that promise and we walk up to that person of Jesus. We say, I'm too busy because I'm carrying this weight on my back. I don't have time for you. I don't have time right now. I can't step into this. What is it today that you need to cut out? That you need to let go of? That you need to release? That you need to throw in the garbage? That you need to get rid of? That you need to lay down at the foot of the cross? That you need to lay in front of Jesus? 
that you need to delete from your life? What is it today that is halting you, that is stopping you, that is clogging your spiritual ears from hearing the voice of God? Get rid of it today. So Samuel is called by God. What does he do? He goes and finds his mentor, Eli, right? Now, let me first say this, that, that we need counsel. We need a relationship in our life. We need people in our lives that challenge us, that push us, that, that encourage us. And that's what church is about. This, that's the church community, faith community. Now, you've got to engage that. You've got to initiate that. You've got to get overly transparent with somebody. You've got to share your life and initiate that relationship. But the scriptures say that, that wisdom is found in the counsel of many. Man, God has spoke to me through other people. We need counsel and friends in our life. That's a huge thing. But here's what happens in the scriptures. Samuel, God, God calls Samuel. What does he do? He runs to his spiritual mentor. And what does Eli say? He doesn't translate what God wants to say to Samuel, does he? No, he says, why'd you come to me? He says, you can go to the source. Go back, lay down, and talk to God. Pray. Spend some, some time in prayer. I had a spiritual mentor that, that I went and asked one time. I said, what commentary do you like to read when you read the scriptures alongside? Because sometimes you read the Bible and then you read commentary. And he said this. He said, why do we think that we have, we're given the word of God. Why do we think that we have to go to somebody else for them to translate the word of God when we have been given the spirit of God, the word of God that lives within us to translate his written word into our own hearts. We have been given access to God. And we come along and, and that Jesus Christ came into this world. He came into this earth to do what? To give his life as a sacrifice for us so that we can have access to God. That's what Ephesians 2.18 says. In him, we have one spirit and then we have access to the Father. Now we need to go to the source. We need to get on our knees. I love an old sermon I heard back in college by, uh, by an old time pastor. He said, listen, we need psychology because we learn about ourselves in psychology. We need theology. We learn about the things of God. We need eschatology. We, know, we learn about the end times. We need pneumatology because we learn about the spirit of the Lord. But listen, we have forgot what it means to, to have a neology in our life where we get down on our knees and we go directly to the Almighty God because he has given us access. Why do we learn from every other source in our lives and we forget that God says, come, come right here, come to me and I will speak directly into your life. I would rather have five minutes at the altar with one of you today than an hour meeting in my office. Why? Because we're not seeking the wisdom of men. We're seeking the revelation of God. And when we get in the presence of God, here's what happens. Change occurs. Change happens within us. And so what do we do? We look for guidance from somebody else. We see some, God speaks to somebody else. Then we want to go and get the guidance that they have received from them, because then we have no accountability, right? But God wants to do this thing right here. We're seeking results without relationship. That is not God's desire. Here's what Dallas Willard said. He put it this way. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Dallas Willard, to try to locate divine communication within human existence alienated from God is to return to idolatry, where God is there for our use. 
to try to solve all our life's problems by getting a word from the Lord is to hide from life and from the dignity of the role God intended us to have in creation. We show up on God's doorstep and we seek wisdom. We ask for direction, but God wants relationship. He desires relationship with us. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and what? And he will direct your path. We want the direction. We want the guidance. And then I'm going to decide if I'm going to have the trust and the faith. God says, nope, you have trust and you have faith. And then I'll give you the rest. You get it right in here and I'll get, and I'll get it right out there. We've got to step into relationship with Almighty God. So Eli tells Samuel, he says, next time you hear this, Here's what you say to God. Say, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And here's the deal. How do we hear the voice of God? Maybe it starts with just being quiet, taking some time to step back and yield before the Lord and allow him to speak into us. What if we just took this one simple statement, we threw the rest of this sermon out. Does that sound good? And we took this one statement and just decided this week I'm going to live in this statement. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. What if you got up tomorrow morning? That's the first prayer in your heart. Speak, God, I'm listening. And then you got in the scriptures and you listen. And then throughout your day, you listen. What if you took a journal, a little small journal with you throughout your day? And every time you, you sense the prompting from God, you open that journal and you just write down what you feel God's prompting. God's prompting me right now to, to go and talk to my coworker over there. All right, done. But then you, then you actually do it. <laughs> That's the key. And you go and talk to him. Hey, and talking to you, man can I pray for you about something? You write down what you're praying for. Then you write down what God's doing and you just write down. And then later you say, God's speaking to me. I'm listening. It's amazing what can happen when we just shut our mouths <laughs> and we let the Lord invest and speak into us. We had an interesting discussion around this idea. Uh, does God choose to remain silent? Does God intentionally, as our heavenly father, decide to ignore his children sometimes? And as a father, that's, that's a hard concept to understand. And I think I come to the place where I would, I would say, no, I don't think so. Now, here's why. Because I, think, I, think some, I don't think God chooses to ignore us. I think sometimes he will choose to ignore our question. <laughs> so look at Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus almost never answers a question that is asked of him. But as Dick Foth would say, he almost always answers the question that should have been asked of him. He speaks, but he doesn't always speak in that area that we're desiring to speak. I'll go on a mission trip hoping that God will speak to me in a certain, I need this, God. God, I'm coming on this trip. I need you to speak in this area because I'm falling short. So just, God, will you do it? But, but Lord, if you want to speak Anywhere else, God, I'm going to be open and flexible to what you have. God always pours his spirit into me, and it's almost never in that one area. <laughs> we try to put God in a box. We try to put him in our compartment. We try to force our agenda to him, but he desires to speak into us in different areas. Are we sensitive to the spirit and what he has to say? I remember in my early 20s, and I was seeking the Lord, and I had a major decision I had to make. And um, man, I had a couple different job opportunities, didn't know which one. So I'm going to do it right. I'm going to go after God on this thing. I'm going to ask him. 
So I was praying, praying, praying. I'm fasting before the Lord. I'm doing everything I can to seek God. And I'm coming to this moment where I'm feeling like, man, is God just trying to be silent on me? Like, what's, what am I learning here? But all along the way, there's these little promptings of get in my word. No, live in my word. No, recite my word. No, let my word be in your spirit and on your heart. No, spend more time with me. No, this needs to be not just for a season, but this is a pattern that needs to lead you in your life. All the way, God's given me these promptings. Finally, I'm like, man, God, stop talking because I'm trying to get you to talk about this over here. <laughs> he wasn't answering the question that I was asking. But listen, I believe this idea right here, that God does not desire to bless a decision. He desires to bless a person. We're almost always asking the wrong questions, but God is almost always answering, giving us the right answers. It's not about our questions. It's about the answers that God desires to reveal within us. Pastor Mark said it this way. He said it a little while ago. He said, we can't expect to hear God's voice of guidance if we're refusing to listen to his voice of conviction. We are so consumed with our agenda and what we think and know is important that we miss the point. What's the point? The point is this, that we don't need a word from God. We need to learn the voice of God. I just want that one to soak in a little bit. We don't need a word of God. We need, the, we need to learn the voice of God to continue an ongoing relationship with who he is. If you were to ask me about Pastor Mark Batterson today, I could tell you something that he said. I could say, well, you know, he said that, that, you know, family should be first. That outside of your relationship with God, you should always put your family first. And that's a, that's a great statement. It's something that's, that's really cool, that's important to him that he said. But I could also say this. I could say, you know what? Pastor Mark loves his family. That guy prays over his kid. He has a, a vision for his family. He dreams for his kids' future. He loves his wife. He puts effort and energy. I'm telling you, that guy loves his family. They're two completely different angles on the same thing. The first is a quotation, is, is a word from him, right? The second is me describing who he is because I have a personal relationship with him and I can talk about who he is. Here's what John chapter or John 10 verse 4 says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. God doesn't just want you to be able to quote him, you guys. No, he wants you to be able to talk about his character, about who he is. He wants you to be able to talk about the inklings of the Holy Spirit and, and share about the tone of his voice. When we think about prayer, we think about what we are saying to God, don't we? We get confused right there. I talk about prayer, I talk about what I have to say. But listen, the most important thing is what God says to us, not what we say to God. Do we desire to take a step back, to listen, to hear? You have to listen. To listen, you have to shut your mouth and you have to shut out all the distractions that are around you. And then you will begin to hear the echoes of God's voice throughout the atmosphere, constantly shooting echoes and coming your way. Here's the final piece. Hearing has to be turned into understanding or application. Not long after Nina and I got married, I was officiating 
a marriage ceremony, and uh, we were driving there, and on the way there, we got into an argument. And uh, so we got there, and I started the ceremony. I got up and was sharing the message, and I was talking about how, how problems should really uh, be opportunities for us. And out of that, I decided to talk about, you know, on our way here, Nina and I actually got in an argument. And I started to talk about it and share, and people are engaging, and they're like laughing, and I'm feeling good. And so, you know, and you know what happens when you start giving me feedback, then I start like going down that rabbit trail. So it's going down the trail. And, and how many of you know, though, when you speak or preach and uh, you tell a story about your spouse, you should get permission, right? How many of y'all know that? Okay. Because I didn't know that um, when I first got married. And so we got in the car to go to the reception. And, um, and Nina says, what in the world? Like, <laughs> like, can you talk to me about this? Like the private conversations we have before you like share them with kind of the world? And so we have a discussion about it. And, um, and we get to the reception and we sit down at our table and one guy starts talking about, man, that was hilarious when you were talking about, you know, how you guys argued on the way there and that whole thing. And we're laughing. And then I'm like, you know what's even funnier? Man, from on the way to the wedding to here, we got in another argument. And the table just roars and they're dying. And of course, so they're laughing. And I'm, course, the whole table wasn't laughing, I guess. Nina was sitting right next to me. <laughs> and are you thankful for the grace of God and our spouse? I'm thankful for that today. <laughs> and uh, man, I heard what she had to say in the car, but I didn't quite listen to what she had to say. Sometimes we hear something, but if we just hear it and we don't translate it, we don't do that third step of translating it to allow our spirit and our heart to understand. We've got to apply the word of God. I love the way Pastor Heather says it. She says, if you haven't been obedient to the last thing that God spoke, why are you asking him to speak again? It's the same thing with my kids. If they haven't been obedient to the last discussion point, we're not going anywhere else. We're not doing anything else. We're not having it stunts future conversations that we'll have. But we get a word from God and we don't like it or we don't want to obey it. So what do we do? We bring it back and we try to trade it in for a new word. That's not how it works, you guys. No, to hear God's voice is to hear yes. It's to sense yes, but you've got to bring it to a point of translation where it comes to understanding in your spirit. Listening without applying is like scientific theory without experimentation. Is it that God is not speaking, that we are not listening, or that I am not applying? When God spoke to you about giving something to that homeless person, did you respond? Did you hear that and obey? Or did you hear that and shut it out? And then the next time, you didn't even hear it, did you? Why? What happens when we don't obey the promptings of the Spirit? The, the, the things that should be white noise become the direct voice into our heads. And the, thing, and the voice of God, which we want to hear, becomes the white noise. We lose our sensitivity to what God wants to do in us, to what he wants to do through us. God is moving, you guys. I'm telling you. I live in testimony right now. And I love hearing God is on the move. God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we applying his word to our daily life? 
What's the application for you today from this sermon? Maybe you need to, maybe you need to this week, you need to start praying and fasting, seeking the Lord. Maybe you need to start uh, jumping into the scriptures and meditating on the scriptures. Maybe you need to go in and get rid of a distraction. Maybe you need to cut off a sin. Maybe you en- need to enter into an accountability relationship with someone. I can't. Pastor Mark can't. Somebody else can't. Translate what God wants to speak into your own spirit. You've got to do that. You've got to step up and listen, hear, and respond to the voice of God. How do you do that? You've got to get into his presence. You've got to go after not just his word, but a relationship with him. Weeks ago, we had, at the Barracks Row Theater, we had uh, an all-night prayer meeting. And uh, just 12 hours in God's presence. And I took a portion of that just to pray over my family and to pray over my kids. And I just began to to pour in prayer over them. God, I pray that you would raise them up as as a generation of righteousness, God. That you would help them to be worshipers of you more than anything else, Lord. And I just began to to pray in the spirit over my kids. And as I did, the Lord began to speak into me. Now, I was seeking God. Uh, I started just asking, God, how can I be a better parent? Where am I blowing it, God? How am I not leading my kids? And and I think God speaks to us in two ways. He speaks in, in terms of Uh, what we should do and what we should not do, right? What we should do, vision. What we should not do, conviction. And I was asking God, God, bring conviction. Where am I falling short? But God didn't speak to me in conviction that night. He spoke to me in vision. And he gave me this vision. He gave me an image of what it would look like if my kids grew up in righteousness, in serving God with outstretched arms, seeking God with everything they have. Let me tell you something. That vision that was given to me in prayer only happen through persistence. And that's like a tattoo on my spirit. I hold on to that thing and believe for that thing. And I will work and pray and model the best I can to see my kids grow up in the righteousness of God. But listen, you can't get a vision from God with with a formula. There's nothing somebody else can tell you to get you that. It's only persistence in the presence of God. It's getting in the house of the Lord and it's getting down on our knees and it's saying, I I get rid of all my time limits. I will not put a time limit on you, God. I will not just seek you for something. No, I will seek you in your character to know who you are. It's Samuel laying on the floor in the temple of the Lord and going not to a spiritual mentor, but going directly to the source. And when we go to the source, That's when God begins to open the eyes of our heart to see him and to hear him. Let's listen to the voice of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that your word is alive and well and living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you, God, that you did not just speak yesterday, but that you speak today and tomorrow and in our future. And God, we just receive your voice into our lives. And God, I pray for those of us who have put up blockades and distractions. I pray that you would break those things down, God, that you would give us the courage to break those things down. Lord, I pray that you would resensitize us to your spirit today. Lord, for those of us who need to take a step out and just get in your presence, God, help us to make disciplined 
decisions, God. For those of us who need to seek you and meditate on your word and begin to stand on your promises. God, whatever you are speaking today, I pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to discern your voice in our lives. God, let it not be a one-time thing of seeking guidance, but let it be a full-time thing of seeking relationship with you today, God. And I pray that across our congregations this morning, that at every single one of our locations, God, that we would begin to follow you in a new way and listen to your voice in a new capacity, God. We commit and submit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.